You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Read by Ben Tucker. Prose Pastels 1. Chinois Seri. Ling Yang, the poet, sits all day in his willow hidden hut by the riverside and dreams of the Lady Moy. Spring and the swallows have returned from the timeless isles of Amaranth, further than the flight of sails in the unknown south. The silver buds of the willow are breaking into gold, and delicate, jade-green reeds have begun to push their way among the brown and yellow rushes of yesteryear. But Ling Yang is heedless of the brightening azure, the light that lengthens, and he has no eye for the northward flight of the waterfowl and the passing of the last clouds that melt and vanish in the flames of an amber sunset. For him there is no season save that moon of waning summer in which he first met the Lady Moy, but a sorrow deeper than the sorrow of autumn abides in his heart, for the heart of Moy is colder to him than high mountain snows above a tropic valley, and all the songs he has made for her, the songs of the flute and the songs of the lute, have found no favor in her hearing. Leagues away in her pavilion of scarlet lacquer and ebony, the Lady Moy reclines on a couch piled with sapphire-colored silks. All day through the gathering gold of the willow foliage, she watches the placid lake on whose surface the pale green lily pads have begun to widen. Beside her, in a turquoise-studded binding, there lies the verses of the poet Ling Yong, who lived six centuries ago, and who sang in all his songs the praise of the Lady Loy, who disdained him. Moy has no need to peruse them any longer, for they live in her memory even as upon the written page. And sighing, she dreams ever of the great poet Ling Yong, and of the melancholy romance that inspired his songs, and wonders enviously at the odd disdain that was shown toward him by the Lady Loy. End of section 6, Prose Pastels 1 Prose Pastels 2 The Mirror in the Hall of Ebony From the nethermost profund of slumber, from a gulf beyond the sun and stars that illume the Lethian shoals and the vague lands of somnolent visions, I floated on a black, unrippling tide to the dark threshold of a dream. And in this dream I stood at the end of a long hall, that was sealed and floored and walled with sable ebony, and was lit with a light that fell not from the sun or moon, nor from any lamp. The hall was without doors or windows, and at the further extreme an oval mirror was framed in the wall. And standing there I remembered nothing of all that had been, and the other dreams of sleep and the dream of birth and of everything thereafter were alike forgotten. And forgotten, too, was the name I had found among men, and the other names whereby the daughters of dream had known me, and memory was no older than my coming to that hall. But I wondered not, nor was I troubled thereby, and naught was strange to me, for the tide that had borne me to this threshold was the tide of Leith. Anon, though, I knew not why. My feet were drawn adown the hall, and I approached the oval mirror. And in the mirror I beheld the haggard face that was mine, and the red mark on the cheek, where the one I loved had struck me in her anger, and the mark on the throat where her lips had kissed me in amorous devotion. 
And seeing this, I remembered all that had been, and the other dreams of sleep, and the dream of birth, and of everything thereafter alike returned to me. And thus I recalled the name I had assumed beneath the terrene sun, and the names I had borne beneath the suns of sleep, and of reverie. And I marveled much, and was enormously troubled, and all things were most strange to me, and all things were as of yore. End of section 7. Prose Pastels 2. Prose Pastels 3. The Muse of Hyperborea. Too far away is her wan and mortal face, and too remote are the snows of her lethal breast for mine eyes to behold them ever. But at whiles her whisper comes to me like a chill unearthly wind that is faint from traversing the gulfs between the worlds, and has flown over ultimate horizons of ice-bound deserts. And she speaks to me in a tongue I have never heard, but have always known. And she tells of deathly things, and of things beautiful beyond the ecstatic desires of love. Her speech is not of good or evil, nor of anything that is desired or conceived or believed by the termites of earth, and the air she breathes, and the lands wherein she roams, would blast like the utter cold of sidereal space. And her eyes would blind the vision of men like suns, and her kiss, if one should ever attain it, would wither and slay, like the kiss of lightning. But hearing her far, infrequent whisper, I behold a vision of vast auroras on continents that are wider than the world, and seas too great for the enterprise of human keels. And at times I stammer forth the strange tidings that she brings. Though none will welcome them, and none will believe or listen. And in some dawn of the desperate years I shall go forth and follow where she calls to seek the high and beatific doom of her snow-paled distances, to perish amid her indesecrate horizons. End of Section 8 Prose Pastels 3 Prose Pastels 4. The Lotus and the Moon I stood with my beloved by the lotus pool, when the moon was round as the great ivory breast of a titanus, and the flowers were full-blown and pale upon the water. And I said to my beloved, I would that thou shouldst love me well to-night, for never again shall there be a night like this with the meeting of thee and me by this pool with flowers blown, but not overblown. But she demurred, and was perverse, and loved me not as I would that she should love me. And after several nights we stood again by the lotus pool, when the moon was hollow as an aging breast, and the petals of the flowers had fallen apart on the water. And now my beloved was fain to love me well, and all was well between us. But in my heart I mourned for that other night, when the moon was round as the great ivory breast of a titanus, and the flowers were full-blown and pale upon the water. End of section 9. Prose Pastels 4.